0: Jelly Marketing Podcast. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the very first episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we're going to ask global industry leaders and world-class brands to share their best practices, innovations, and more to help you move your agency, business, and organization ahead. The topic for today is social media marketing. In this episode, we discuss how to stay on top of the constantly evolving social media industry, the importance of networking offline, how to handle the inevitable negative comments that come up when you're involved in social media, and last but not least, the incredible importance of monitoring what goes on on your social media platforms. Our guest for today is Gabe Medeiros. He's the Senior Social Media Manager for TELUS. For those of you listening outside of Canada who may not be familiar with TELUS, TELUS is one of Canada's biggest telecom companies. Stay tuned to the very end of this interview where we find out what Gabe likes to spread on his toast. Thanks for joining me today, Gabe. It's great to be here. Gabe is the senior social media manager at TELUS and he is also an instructor at Humber College where he teaches monitoring and measuring social media. So, in a moment, I'd like to talk to you about. Tell us and uh, get some advice from you as far as social media is concerned. But before we go there, I'd like to just find out a little bit more about uh, where you grew up and your career path. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're in Toronto right now. Is that correct? Yes,
1: I am. Uh, based uh, Based out of Toronto for, well, my whole entire career.
0: And, and how about growing up? Did you grow up in the Toronto area? Well, I was actually born in
1: Toronto. Um, so I can call myself a Torontonian. Uh, but I was actually raised in, um, in actually a little suburb outside of Toronto, Mississauga. Um, yeah. so it's like, we like to call it like Toronto Light. But, uh, but yeah, so I spent my entire life out here in Mississauga and, uh, I had moved away for a bit and I'm back, uh, back again. So yeah.
0: I, I want to ask you some more questions about that, but just a question that comes to mind right away is, just tell me a little bit about the history of Telus. Did, did Telus start in Alberta, and then because I know it it, it took over, um, you know, BC Tel became Telus, but I'm not sure. Uh, does does it have Ontario roots, or where are the original roots of the company? No, yeah,
1: the roots actually are um, are, are in Alberta, um, and uh, yeah, and it initially emerged out west, so it's it's and really prominent out west. Um, yeah, it's. Well, it's been in Ontario and Quebec, uh, well, around Canada, all around Canada for a while. Um, but yeah, I think most people associate Telus uh, continue to associate Telus as a, a predominantly West Coast company. But uh, yeah, we're trying to we're trying to make some uh, make some ground up out east as well now.
0: Are the head offices in Toronto, or you just happen to be there and, and run your division from there? Yeah,
1: our head office is actually in uh, it's in Vancouver, um, so it's Telus Garden in Vancouver, downtown Vancouver. But uh, yeah, there's. There's another, well, where I work out of is called Tellus Houses in Toronto, so it's almost like a co-head office, if you will, but I mean, it, it's, I would say, like, primarily Vancouver is our, our head office, but yeah, so my team is actually broken down between Vancouver and Toronto, so we have half of our team is out west and the other half is out east, uh, so in terms mm-hmm. of even the social media representatives, like, um, myself and one of my team members is, is out in Toronto, and the other two are actually based
0: in, in Vancouver. Does that mean you spend a lot of time on a plane or do you just kind of telecommute?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we're, no, we're actually, uh, we're pretty, we're really good. Like our, we have a whole culture of like, of um, it's basically what we call it, like work-life type balance. Um, uh, and it's really, it, it encourages us to be, to work mobily. So to work, yeah, uh, based out, like we work from home, we're very, like, we're pretty much telecommuni- telecommuting, telecommuting. For most of uh, for most of the workday, most of our meetings are conference calls or video chats and stuff like that. So I mean, it's it's really highly encouraged. And like today, I worked out at home the entire day, um, and but still managed to get uh, met all the meetings in and stuff like that. So it's so yeah, we're able to kind of to work pretty much seamlessly that way. So we can integrate east and west uh, with no problem.
0: Yeah, nice and. Let's let's go back to your own story. Like, wh- when did you become when did you first become interested in marketing or business?
1: Uh, well, it's 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 one of these things. Like, I mean, I graduated from uh, from university with a with a degree in political science. So, like most political science majors, I had no clue what I was going to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and I think initially when when I when I started working full time, um, kind of discovered that one of the things that I, I was really passionate about was actually kind of more of the corporate writing. Um, and I know it's hard to believe anybody would be co- passionate about corporate writing, but I mean, it's like the whole <laughs> writing element was actually something that that, uh, that really attracted me. So, I mean, I started off initially in communications. Uh, from there, evolved to public relations, and um, it's actually when I was I started working for a B two B company, a, a pipe company of, of all things. And really, it's kind of like my 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 boss at the time was actually one, my mentor now, or one of my mentors for sure. Uh, he actually is the one who's like incredibly passionate about marketing. Like he lives, eats, and breathes marketing. And I remember at first I was like, oh boy, marketing, I don't know about that. But honestly, it's like <laughs> he kind of instilled that passion in me and it kind of took off from there. And what he really taught me was like what I found is that marketing isn't necessarily what I thought it was. Like it could be a whole bunch of different types of things and how like he even kind of taught me a little bit about how PR integrates into that. And eventually how kind of social media plays into that as well. So yeah, I guess that's mm-hmm. where I, I I guess discovered my passion for uh, for marketing for sure.
0: So with the pipe company, was that sort of your first introduction to social media and where where you started to learn about that and how it how it fit into marketing? It's
1: actually it's where I it is where I first kind of saw where it where it really tapped into marketing. But I actually was doing social media a little bit before. I had worked at uh, at the region of Peel, so. Um, government organizations or a regional, uh, the regional municipality appeal out here in like in the greater Toronto area, um, or just outside the greater Toronto area. So it represents Mississauga and, and a couple of other cities and towns. Um, and I actually it's like that was pretty much in the infancy, if you will, of social media, where like when Facebook was still a novelty. So imagine how far back that was. But uh, and <laughs> even from that time, I kind of I've always like, I've been attracted to social media. I was very heavily into Facebook even when it launched and like even with the the advent of Twitter at the time. So I was always trying it out and seeing how it works. And I think some of the people at the region, like the people who I reported into, kind of noticed that uh, that passion. And I, I kept talking about it. And I'd share like uh, insights on, on the different platforms and on social media in general, like even blogs at, you know, and like more forums at that time as well, even MySpace. So that's, again, how far back it went. And it's um, <laughs> So yeah, I kind of always had that passion and kept talking about it. And they asked me if I could kind of develop a strategy on how to, how the region would be able to integrate social media more from a communications perspective. So it was more from a kind of a customer service. Like, how would we answer residents' requests or things like, or, you know, things of that nature in social? So really didn't tap too much into the uh, marketing uh, component of it, but still pretty cool. They never ended up using it. I mean, as any government (laughs) organization, it's a long time that takes to adopt uh, anything new. So, but but, I mean, that's kind of where I got my start, if you will, in social media. But from there is where I went to the the plumbing company, Upanor, um, which is a B2B. So it's a totally different perspective on how social works. And that's really where I started to really um, use social media for marketing. So more external and more about, uh, about sharing messages versus just answering questions.
0: Yeah. And I noticed that you worked for Purina for a while. Was that the first? Was that sort of your first job with a national brand? Yep. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so well, yeah. so
1: for a national brand, yeah, I'm not actually. It's funny because I worked at Purilator years before, uh, so it's okay. a big national brand as well. So more of a corporate communications uh, role. Um, and actually, Upanor is an international brand. So the, the plumbing company is actually an international. It's a Finnish company. Uh, okay. And we had representation across North and North America as well. Um, well, across the world, really. But Purino was, uh, it was a great learning experience, because it was the first time working with such a giant multinational, like they are owned by Nestle. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really like, I mean, when you talk about matrix organizations with totally different, like, um, well, very, um, like different functions and very, kind of what very well organized, totally different, not as entrepreneurial, more, uh, like traditionally corporate. Um, so that was a great experience in learning how to like even how to incorporate social media in that environment. Again, it was a really great learning experience there and kind of dealing with like traditional brand teams and how they run brands. And then, and, and like, I mean, if, if you know anything about like Purina, the many different brands that, are, that, are, that exist within just, you know, within Purina itself, kind of seeing how everyone has a different uh, tone and a different um, like personality. It was, it's, it's, it was quite the experience actually kind of to, to, to work within that and kind of having to go from one to the other on a daily basis.
0: Mm hmm. So, you know, it, it seems like you're like many of us, we, we've all had to kind of learn how to market through social media along the way, because, you know, it, it it's such a recent thing on the scene, you know, like there's been marketing degrees for a long time. But how do you incorporate marketing with social media? It's it's, like, it's almost like we've all been kind of learning on the fly, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think like even with it is something that's. I mean, social media, if you really think about it, it's been around a while, but really how, how we kind of more formalize the process of actually marketing through social, yeah, it's relatively new. And I mean, I think like with anything in social media, it's, it's constantly evolving. So I sometimes snicker when people like talk about, oh, social media experts or social media marketing experts, because I mean, it's, it's yeah. so difficult. Uh, well, I, in my personal opinion, I think it's difficult to be considered an expert in something that is so rapidly evolving. I mean, you mm-hmm. might master Facebook today. And tomorrow it changes.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. So, and, and yeah.
1: all the platforms have, are the same, and all the like new platforms merge, and and the way that, that people interact, everything changes all the time. So, I mean, yeah, it's. I think to work in social media and social media marketing, it's like you have to be very versatile, you have to be very nimble, um, and willing mm-hmm. to kind of learn and 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 kind of yeah think on your feet type thing. So it's 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 fun. Uh, it can be stressful, but it's it's yeah I, I find it exciting.
0: What do you do to stay on top of things? Like you said, it's constantly evolving. Do you have some favorite blogs or, or teachers, or that you turn to on a regular basis, or you know, what do you do to stay on top of the whole industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like I, I always, I always refer back to the, the traditional, um, I guess, the traditional platforms that everybody goes to, like your Mashables, your Social Media Today's, um, so yeah. all those types of websites I think are very helpful. I mean listening to a Gary Vaynerchuk and I mean, and that gives you a different perspective because he looks at it in terms of like more of the entrepreneurial version of it. Um your guy Kawasaki's um, like in more of the marketing component and like in digital marketing, your Mitch Joel's, uh, you know? Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different experts that you can look at. I mean, going to the different um, conferences and going to different like uh, speaking, like participating in social media weeks and all that stuff helps. Um, what I find uh, actually has been really helpful um, for me Is really just networking with other people doing what we do, Um, Hmm. so you know other people doing social media marketing, other people doing just social media professionally, just hearing what they have to say, Um, and also hearing it from the from uh, the uh, quote unquote horse's mouth. Like I mean, having relationships with Facebook, with Twitter, um, with Google, with YouTube, uh, just kind of getting, you know, becoming friendly with them, being in touch with them, kind of and by, by friendly, I mean just kind of having that ongoing relationship. Uh, outside of just a transactional one where you kind of develop, um, yeah, some more like genuine relationships with them and have Mm -hmm. them tell you sometimes what's coming down the pipe or what to expect because I find like everything you read and you can hear bits and pieces of stuff, but I mean, they know, like they know what's going on with their platform. They can tell you what you can expect and even more that they can tell you how it could impact you negatively or positively. So. Maintaining those types of relationships I find incredibly important, and it's and it's great. I mean, hey, anytime you get a chance to go visit a Google office or a Twitter office or a Facebook office, you take that chance, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's kind of what I've done. Um, it, it really is like it's kind of following the whole principle of social media, which is about connectivity, and it's about like being in touch and being social. I kind of just use that um, outside of the social realm just in everyday life just to kind of, you know, keep your ear to the ground and see what's going on.
0: Hmm. I love that point, and it, it. I was blown away. We should just mention that you and I met briefly at the uh, Canadian Internet Marketing Conference, where Jelly Marketing was one of the uh, primary sponsors and organizers of of that event. But um, you know, someone asked me what did I enjoy most about the event, and I said, well, actually, it's it's been lunch. Yep. <laughs> you know, because uh, it was that opportunity to where else? Was, I, mean, I was blown away by the speakers that were there. I mean, you were there from Telus and Salesforce, and someone was there from Google and uh, Twitter. You know, and and like you say, where it was great to just rub shoulders and have have lunch with with people like that. And for sure, I picked up a few good little tidbits. Just to ha- just eating together you know
1: absolutely you get to talk shop right and it it goes outside of a of a text or an email Uh, i mean i I think it's important and i think again like i've always said like even when we when we talk at some of our internal teams and we talk about social media i'm like never lose sight of what social media is and it's that social component right and i mean Mm -hmm. if you can i mean some of the best social media campaigns i've i've seen are the ones that actually transcend just social and and they're actually you know they kind of they're integrated within everything, so they can become experiential. Experiential, um, you know, so they actually go outside and actually have a social component to it. So, I mean, it's great. I, I think all of us are are able to to tweet or Facebook message and all that great stuff. And I mean, it's having those conversations, getting a, a little bit more background, having that kind of like you know that that interaction. I think is super
0: helpful. Okay, I want to tap you for a bit of. Advice uh, when it comes to social media. But first, I got a couple of personal questions. One thing I noticed, which I think is really cool, is your Twitter account. <laughs> you must be a huge sports fan. Just tell us a little bit more about your your Twitter account and what you're doing there. Oh
1: yeah. So I am. Yeah, I'm no. <laughs> it's. Uh, I guess sports has always been a passion for me. And I mean, there's very few sports that I don't like and don't watch. Um, yeah. I, I kind of say half-jokingly and half-serious that I'm unfortunate enough to be a Toronto fan. Um, yeah, like, Well, things
0: are a little bit better lately. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, for, yeah, well, for one <laughs> out of, like four and, teams, it's usually... And, and, and that's usually yeah. how it goes, yeah. With the Toronto Raptors, although yeah. the first game uh, of this playoff, their uh, conference final, that wasn't exactly great. But, right. so yeah, so it's one of the things that, like, I've grown up, like, my whole life grown up, um, you know, my dad was a huge influence, always teaching, like, always... What We watch sports, like, 24-7. So it's something that it's completely... Uh, a passion for me so and as part of that it's like it's it's funny because we have conversations with some people coming like i've, I've have conversations every now and then with people coming into to the industry and trying to learn more about hey how do i get into social social media and what should i you know what should i be tweeting about what should i be posting about and like my advice has always been like you know you know understanding what you know what a professional how you look professionally is important but i mean really share what you love or share what you're passionate about. And, I mean, I think I try to kind of live that. So, yeah, a lot of my Twitter feed is dedicated to the latest scores on the Raptor games or the J games or on TFC games or a Leaf yeah. loss, which is, tends to be the, the norm. But it's, it's kind of all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like I try to get in as many games as possible when I can to any of the, the teams around here. But, again, it's a lot of suffrage there. I'm not,
0: not going to lie <laughs> But hey, well the le- the Leafs have the first pick. It must yeah. things must be looking uh, must be uh, the, the city must be a buzz about that. Yeah, I'm
1: I've gone through uh like like in my my time. So I've gone through uh, the ups and the downs, more downs than ups I'll so be honest, so through, throughout my like my life watching the Leafs. So I've kind of uh, I'm reserving judgment until they actually make the pick and they sign the pick and they win something, like please. But uh but yeah, there is a lot. You know what? There's a there's a lot of excitement here about the Leafs, and, and that's something that hasn't been around for a while. So it's it's really nice to see. Same with the Jays and the same with the Raptors. And so yeah, it's it's nice to see that the city is a little bit buzzing with like with that kind of a little bit more
0: excitement. Um yeah. we're just very used to being disappointed, so, so
1: we always are a little <laughs> bit tempered, right? So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, let's get into a few marketing-related questions. I noticed in your um, LinkedIn bio that you talked about being telling the Tellus story, and and I love that. I, I read an article, I guess, a couple of years ago about you know the importance of telling your story through social media, and I really tried to do that with some of the accounts that I manage. So, so just tell us a little bit. How do how do you do that at Tellus?
1: Uh, really, it's about uh, see. Tell us is uh, the way that we're broken down, and I mean it's at the risk of, of upsetting a lot of people when when we talk about social media teams. They're kind of like shoestring budgets, and they're very small. Tell us is 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 good enough to actually have a bunch of different social media teams. So we have like I think it was nine different teams in total within the organization. So there's ones that deal specifically with marketing, ones that deal with small business, health, all the different areas. Ours deals primarily, so our team is broken down with traditional social media mixed in with like PR, and. Mm-hmm. As, as one of the biggest components of PR or successful PR, it is about how you tell that corporate story. So we've incorporated that within the social media component of, of what we do. So yeah, my role primarily and my team's role so that basically is, is to help tell that story. Um, so go beyond products and services and, and really kind of get to the heart of, of who we are as an organization. So what makes us fun, what makes us friendly, which is two things that we that are, are integral as, as part of, of who we are, you know our corporate personality, so so it's that's what we're about, and sometimes it becomes like it's it's we have a lot of content that kind of that kind of goes to that. So when we talk about like we look at some of the community investment things that we do, we look at some of the sponsorship things that we do. Um, so there's a lot of great stories. I think the challenge is always kind of finding them. Like I mean, there's so many different sources, and and to just kind of pinpoint the right stories to share and the right times to share them. Um, and then putting them in a format where our audience really wants, like, is able to, to engage with it and is really, it resonates with them. Those are usually tend to be the, the, some of the biggest challenges. So what we like mm-hmm. to do is kind of, like, find new innovative ways to do it. So whether, if it's video, great, let's do video. If it's through imagery, great, let's do imagery. Um, if it's more long form content, great, let's do long form content. Really have that personal touch where we're actually telling genuine stories about people. So, and, and they don't necessarily have to be tell us employees. It could be people that we've, that we've helped or people that we work with or people that we partner with to kind of get the word out there and let people draw their own opinions of, of who we are as an organization. And one thing that we love to like with our team that we love working with is influencers. So we look at social media influencers everywhere from bloggers to YouTubers to Instagrammers and, and help them like tell the story. And one thing that we found working with, with, with this audience is that the only way they're going to share that kind of message like with their audience is um And it come across as genuine is that they believe it. So we spend a lot of time building these relationships and, and kind of telling them who we are and what we do and why we do it and make them believers and then have them kind of go out and spread the word. So, again, it's kind of like kind of what I was alluding to before. It's not always easy, uh, but it's always uh, it's always exciting and it's always like uh, rewarding when when you see some of these things happen and you see some of these campaigns come out and and, and you see some of the results. So, yeah, it's. It's we, we always try to put that tell us message out there, but make it genuine and authentic and really kind of talk more to the heart of who we are.
0: That's really interesting that you work with influencers like that. Like I would I would think that a company tell us the size and I'm kind of ignorant when it comes to larger companies and how they work. But that's fascinating that you work with uh, influencers, that you're working with other bloggers and stuff like that. You're not just throwing big money behind ad campaigns and i'm sure you do those kinds of things too like you do facebook ads and all that sort of stuff but i guess to come up with a real authentic message and authenticity is so important isn't it that you're you're forming these relationships and making sure that people really are true believers in the in the telus brand that that's that's really different from traditional marketing that's that's really cool that a company your size is doing that kind of thing
1: yeah i I think what we found is that um And I mean, it's, you know, it could be something that's exclusive to us. I I don't necessarily think it is, but what we find is that it's like, it's very easy um, as an organization to kind of start patting yourself on the back of, oh, look, this is how great we are. But, and and I mean, I think we look at it as as consumers ourselves, like, you know, and and consumers who live in social, like 24 seven. So I know that if I see a company talking about, and regardless of what the company is about, how great they are, and it's them talking about how great they are, you know, my, uh, my, my skepticism tends to, to to go a little bit higher, and and you know how i how how much I believe of what they're trying to say. I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm like a more negative. But I mean, I kind of, I get more skeptical, and I start to think yeah. like it's pretty easy to say how great you are, um, but when I hear it from somebody who I respect, like I mean. You know, our culture is uh, like the emergence of YouTubers in our within our like the whole social realm is it's in it's incredible. Like I mean, it's something that it's blown us away. Like even looking at the influence that like and YouTubers are just one side. Like bloggers have the same type of influence. Instagrammers have the same type of influencers. You know, even people who are like uh, big on Twitter or Facebook, they have this incredible amount of influence that they 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 hold over their audience. And really, like I mean, I there's YouTubers that I follow that like listen if they say hey this is the best product um, I believe them because I, I I genuinely believe what they are saying I, I know that they have some level of expertise and I, I I know that there's no reason for them to lie so hearing it from them to me makes it a lot a lot more authentic and more genuine and I think all right that makes sense right like I, I could see that so if I believe that as a consumer you know it I it kind of it follows that. Our audience would believe the same type of thing. And, I mean, we're in an industry that's, you know, it could be a little bit tricky. Um, It's telecom. You know, not everybody loves a telecom uh, supplier Um, 24-7. But, you know, if you have, like, YouTubers, for instance, who are saying that, hey, I would pick Telus because, you know, these people are are genuinely good people who I work with on a daily basis and who I talk with all the time and who I believe what they're saying. You know what? Their audience Mm -hmm. is more likely to believe that. Versus like, hey, I'm us, I'm like, we're the best and this is why, you know, I think that's, it, we've kind of found that that, you know, and it's not to your point, like we'll do ads and like as same as everything else and we'll like, we'll promote products, we'll promote services because it's a it's an organization. As an organization, it's something we have to do. I think that having that balance where we can have, we tell our story and have others help us tell our story, it becomes a lot more powerful. At least that's what we found for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So at Humber College, you're teaching uh, measuring and and that sort of thing. Yeah. So what kind of tools do you do you recommend people use to keep track of uh, what's going on in their social media accounts?
1: Right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I tell uh, all the students <laughs> that come like the, the first day of class. If you're doing that, really was my
0: question. Oh, what do you tell your students? Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I yeah. tell them,
1: like all the students that come into the to the class, no matter what level of uh, knowledge they have on social media, is if you are using social media. For business, in any way, shape, or form, you should not should you need to be monitoring.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: so important to understand what like what what is being said, not only about your organization but your organization, your industry, um, your competitors. Um, having that that knowledge of what's being said is is so critically important to, to making sure that the content that you're developing, what you're saying, when you're saying it, is is you know it's 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 optimized for for best results. So so we talk thoroughly about the different types of tools. And I mean, I, I tend to focus on the three that I've used um, throughout my career. So your Radiant Sixes, your um, uh, your Sysmos or or your Sprout Social. So I, I mean, and there's many, many more. There's some really good free sources uh, as well. But um, really, I think the message that I always try to um, to kind of get across for the students is that it, like, I really, it doesn't even matter what tools you're using use the one that's right for you but monitor it's so important to monitor um and it's really in terms of like risk mitigation um but it's also in terms of identifying opportunities because i mean i think some of the challenges and like i've asked these you know some of these the students when they're when they're in class like what are some of your biggest challenges when you when you come when it comes to social media and they're like well developing content that people like and like how do we find content that people like i'm like well listen to what they're saying um, listen mm-hmm. to what they want to hear, and, and then create content that actually fe- like meets their their requirements and what they want to talk about. Um, and you can only do that through monitoring. So, so yeah, I think that's probably like, that's the one thing that I think it's. I, I think I must say that every class I have, and to the point that it might you know might actually upset them a little bit at, by the end of the class. But I think it's probably one of the most important messages that like it's one of the things that I've found to be most helpful in my career. Like monitoring is crucial. And, and if you're not doing it, you're, you're almost putting
2: yourself at a risk. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger.
0: do you have a story where monitorings kind of saved your bacon Oh yes
1: so uh, it's actually a, a Purina <laughs> story um, okay <laughs> so one thing that you need to know about Purina is that it's a very polarizing um, organization for consumers because I mean there's pet owners are, are a class in and of it like they're a totally different audience than anything you would expect and I mean I guess there's I think I'm pretty sure there's other industries that have similar kinds of levels of passion for, for throughout their their clientele. Um, but it was, to me, it was a novelty. Like I've never seen that kind of like, uh, ardent like support or or hatred for a brand. Um, and now like, I mean, I'm a pet owner too and I kind of understand it, but I mean, there was, there's people that either love Purina and there's people that hate Purina, um, because of the products and because of what their beliefs are and how you should feed your dog or your cat.
2: Yeah.
1: So when I started at Purina, we actually, one of my jobs, again, it was Purina Canada was to kind of develop a social media program for Purina Canada. So, you know, this is how we're going to basically launch into the market uh, in Canada with a social media program. So I did all your, you know, you do all your due diligence, you do all your research, and and initially we were going to go like, all right, well, you know what, we, we're going to launch with a Facebook page and a Twitter account. And I kind of put a halt on that right away. I'm like, wait, 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 before we do any of that, let's set up monitoring so we know exactly what people are talking about and I mean, I've had to go, I went all the way to, up to the, um, to vice president level and say, and like having, you know, going with my spiel and falling on the sword for it. And a, a couple of times thinking like, I might not make it out of this meeting like <laughs> as an employee because there was like, there was strong pushback. No, no, you got to start it off. You got to launch these programs. I'm like, listen, just do me a favor. Let's, let's just kind of like, let's do like set up monitoring. Let's do some research. Let's find out what people are talking about and then we'll jump in. So long story short, it did save my bacon. When we were scheduled to launch and kind of when I put a halt to it is when there was actually a giant recall <laughs> for, a, for a product, um, appearing a product in the U.S. But we all know that there's very little borders when it comes to social media. So we would have launched yeah. at the height of one of the worst issues <laughs> that they actually yeah. the North American market had uh, had experienced. And I was able to say, all right, we set up mar- uh, this monitoring. Look at the, the – it's like 100 – like honestly, it was – we looked at mentions and the mentions were in the tens of thousands of mentions daily. And of those, the sentiment was like 90% negative. So we're like, oh, wow. honestly, if we would have launched, we would have absolutely got slammed right off the bat. Um, yeah. So we kind of, so what we ended up doing is kind of doing a due diligence, doing some more monitoring, waiting till the situation calmed down, make sure we had reactive messaging, make sure we have content to actually support um, our claims and, and, and make sure that if, when we did launch, we were ready and we were prepared. And then we were able to kind of, you know, kind of navigate through any kind of negative situation. So, honestly, it's I would just the just the mere thought if we would have launched when we we're supposed to launch, I honestly I don't know if I don't know if I'd be here today. I'll tell you it right now because I would have <laughs> probably quit social media. I think so. But yeah that's, yeah, that's probably that's one of the That's and that's the example I tend I use with my class. I'm all the time I'm like, yeah, like this can happen. So just be aware.
0: Yeah. I have a little story I think you might like. I, I in, in my networking group, the person who does the SEO for the nonprofit that I work for was there and he happened to be looking at our Google, Google Analytics when I walked in and I saw this spike back in February or whatever and uh, he he, no, he immediately said to me, I don't know what you did back then but you should do that again. <laughs> so he looked a little deeper and saw that it was it, the spike came from a Facebook post and uh, so we were able to see what sort of, Content worked. It happened to be a job posting where I, you know, I had a good picture and a little ad, and we we paid to boost it, so it showed that the, um, you know, paying a few, but we only paid like twenty five bucks, but it got several hundred clicks to the website. So, you know, if if he hadn't been looking at that, and I didn't know the stats, it, it gave me some insight into the kinds of things that work, and also that Facebook advertising uh, works as well. You know, very well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, but yeah, uh, yeah and, that, and I think that's the other end of the of the spectrum. Like, I mean, you can look at, I mean, I, for me, monitoring, is it's imperative for risk, but it's also a really good opportunity because that is a perfect example of identifying content that works and being able to produce more content of the same type or the same format, or at least with similar kind of messaging or, or, or even testing out things, the similar things that might work. And I mean, honestly, yeah, without monitoring, you never know. It's almost like a crapshoot. And we all know that, I mean... There's not unlimited budgets for social content. There's not unlimited time or or resources. So the better we can optimize, the better, the more efficient we are working in social media, the better. So that's a great example of that for
0: sure. And so I think like bigger brands, they have to have thicker skin. A lot of the smaller business people I talk to, you know, they're really afraid. They're still very afraid of social media. Like what if. Negative comments come up. And it sounds like you've had some really, uh, in-depth experience with this. How do you, what do you tell people? Like, how, do, how should they handle, uh, negative comments and, 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 it's, we could probably do a whole show on it, but yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe just a, a bit of quick advice on how to handle the negativity that, that pops up every, it's inevitable that it's going to pop up every once in a while on, on social media.
1: Yeah. I mean, Honestly, it's funny. it's funny that you asked this. I was actually on a panel a couple weeks ago and, and it's with small businesses and they asked the same thing. And I'm like, well, listen, here's the thing. The fear of social media is, is irrelevant because if you think you jump on social media and you're going to hear all the negative comments that are happening, guess what? If you're not in the conversation, they're happening without you. Um, and if anything, social media provides you, like being active and social provides you an opportunity to kind of, um, to sometimes, sometimes it's cut off potential issues before they become a crisis and in other occasions kind of like tell the right the correct story so um or you know or give your perspective if nothing more um what i would say is like people need to stop fearing like and i know it's difficult especially small businesses it's difficult but people need to stop being afraid of hearing negative comments because guess what that you're going to there's it's absolutely i've not yet seen a brand small big or small that hasn't received a negative comment and really you need to kind of you need to address it and the best way to do it is to, well, again, to do, you, you got to do, you do your monitoring you do your analysis to see what can potentially be an issue. Be prepared. I think it's probably the best advice for any organization that, that you know, is, is afraid of, of having to deal with negative comments and social It's to be prepared. And by being prepared doesn't mean that you need to have canned responses to everything. Sometimes it's understanding what you should respond to, what you don't need to respond to, where you can maybe change an opinion or where, you, you know, it's basically a lost cause. Um, and also understanding, it's it's good, it's a good test to how you develop your processes for dealing with 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 issues. Mm-hmm. Such a good issues management process, essentially. So, understanding what constitutes an issue, like what kind of comments you're going to get, what you should re- like having a response grid to say, all right, these kinds of issues, it's incorrect information. Yeah, we should clarify. And knowing that if the individual is writing back and they're kind of like you know trolling, if you will, you're you're wasting your time but understanding that it's also a learning because sometimes we, you know, there are times where like you sell a product or a service and it just doesn't work and you're getting a lot of backlash. That's a great opportunity to say, you know what, maybe this product or service isn't working. How can yeah. we fix it? And then actually proactively fix processes or, or fix the services, fix uh, products, and then go back and, and say, hey, thanks to your insight, like to your audience's insight, we've actually changed, made a positive change. You can change a lot of opinions that way. So. Looking at it as more than just like, oh, this negative thing that we know, how are we going to deal with? And looking at it as an opportunity. In social, I mean, you you tend to get two different groups in social when, when people complain. You have the ones that genuinely have a complaint and they tend to be very empathetic to the fact that if you're trying to do something, like if you made a mistake, and we all do, if you try and you're genuinely trying to do something and you're responding with that, with a level of like, you know, with, with a level of, I guess empathy as well, that to say, you know what, I'm so sorry, we're going to try to fix it, uh, you know, we, we understand your pain, they're going to understand. And the other group, the ones that are like, nothing you can say, you know, they're very antagonistic, nothing you can say is going to work, well, you know what, you're not going to really change those opinions, um, and you just have to, you know, that's the way it is, not everybody's going to like you, right? It's like in everyday life, <laughs> you can have people that just don't mm-hmm. like you, and that's the way it is, but it's kind of, it, it's still, it, it's important to be listening to what people are saying, because I mean, again, there might be opportunities. And because you're not in social doesn't mean that those conversations aren't happening. Guess what? They're probably having more and there's nobody else to protect you or to to give your perspective. So you might even be doing yourself more harm than good. Like it's the whole thing. Ignorance is not is not necessarily a good thing in this case. So
0: so bottom line, you can kind of look at that as an opportunity. And then it's also a good idea. If I hear you say kind of reading between the lines, it's a good idea to think ahead of time. How you how you're going to respond to different oh absolutely the way people are you know what to what people are going to say
1: for sure anticipate like I mean it's it's a good Mm -hmm. exercise in anticipation anticipate what's what people might say like uh, and again doing some background monitoring as to different conversations that are happening maybe even outside your brand but with other organizations that sell similar products or services or whatever like I kind of look at what some of the questions they're getting or some of the comments or some of the negative feedback they're getting and instead of like like, Mm -hmm. haha they suck because they're getting negative feedback. Kind of anticipate yeah. that, you know what, maybe we get this. How would we answer this question? Or how would we look at this scenario? Or what would we do with this? And making sure you have proper response grids, making sure that you have like access to the people who are able to answer the questions, that you could turn it around quickly. Because understanding that social media is real time, like you're not going to wait a day or two or three or a week to, to give a response. You need to be quick. And anticipation preparation is critical in order to, to do that effectively.
0: I could go along this line of questioning with you forever, but I have a feeling we should probably start to wrap up here. So thanks for your, your advice and for your insight, and uh, hopefully we can circle back around and talk again. I'd love to talk to you more about social media and uh, and, the, and the things that you, are, you know and, and the things that you've experienced. So, yeah, thank you for sharing all that with us. Well,
1: thank you. It would be my pleasure. I, I enjoyed the talk for sure.
0: So we do have a few final quick questions that, we like to, that we're like that we going to ask all of our guests. We're just starting out. but So uh, quick, only in the sense that I'm going to ask them really quickly. You don't have to worry about giving really short answers. But if you do, that's fine. <laughs> and uh, so the first one is, uh, because we're gel- the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast?
1: Ooh, jam. Sorry. Jam. Strawberry jam. <laughs> <laughs> strawberry jam is my favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I, I just think in Canada we're not real jelly users, so I, I think jam's going to come up a lot when we ask that question. So uh-huh. I should probably keep track. So jam so far is is the number one answer. Yep. <laughs> there you go,
1: <laughs> blazing a trail. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so you said strawberry jam. Yep. Okay, good. Do you ever do you ever like uh, raspberry jam or so, any other flavors? Or are you primarily a strawberry jam? I am person? one
1: of the most like meticulous people when it comes to jam you'll ever meet. Which I, it's probably not not something that. <laughs> That most people, it never comes up in conversation. I like the only jam, literally the only jam I'll eat is strawberry. And I have no idea why. And it's ever since I was a kid, I don't know what it is with other jams. It's just I, I can't eat them. And I don't, well, I can. I just won't enjoy it. But I don't know what it is. It's always been a strawberry jam type thing.
0: It's, I'm very weird with spreads. <laughs> that's all, that's all I gotta say. I'm with you. I'm a big fan of strawberry it's jam true. too. So. Yeah. Uh, the second question is, at year in a very competitive industry and uh, super busy. I'm just wondering how you handle stress. What do you do to relieve stress? Cool. Uh,
1: I'll go back to sports. I love sports. I, honestly, when I, whenever I'm on like a field, and I mean, it could be anything, shooting baskets, playing soccer, street hockey, it doesn't really matter. It's it's whatever time that, that activity is happening is when I'm not thinking about anything but that. Um, so to me, that's like, it's therapeutic. And although I don't do it as much as I should, even going for runs, I find it's like, it's honestly just completely clear mind. And mm-hmm. just in case my girlfriend might listen to this, she's a yoga instructor. <laughs> so, um, so yoga
0: also. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Do you use an iPhone or an Android?
1: Oh, I'm tough because I use both.
0: I <laughs> so, oh, use both. Yeah, that's okay. That's
1: benefit of working at TELUS. So I've used, I literally use both. So I have, and it's, I can't even like, okay, so I was, I was ardent iPhone user for the longest time, switched over to Android because some of the other people on our team are like total Android people and I loved Android and I just recently switched like, well, I have an iPhone again now and I remember why I liked it. So I'm, I, I, I swear I'm probably one of the guys that's most on the fence with both. I like them both. So both of them have pros and cons.
0: Do you have a favorite app?
1: Uh, <laughs> Hootsuite, <laughs> only because I use it all the time for work.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and It's a really important tool to you. Yeah. And I
1: reluctantly, I'll reluctantly say this because I was actually one of the people who bashed Snapchat the most. And not because I don't think it's a good tool, but it's because I thought it's all oh, these kids with their little videos because that's kind of the mentality <laughs> I had it within. I got to yeah. say I'm totally addicted to Snapchat now. So, I mean, it's a really, really <laughs> addictive app. So,
0: that, like, oh, let's go back to that. That was a question I was going to ask you earlier, and that and that is when. How do large brands decide uh, what uh, platforms they're going to adopt? Do you, do you, yeah,
1: it's a great yeah. question. I, th- I think you need to secure. Like, I mean, I think it's important to secure, um, you know, secure your like usernames for whatever platforms. So your Snapchats, your you know, all of the ones that are, are the prominent ones, understanding that, like, not all of them are have that longevity, like, hey, hello or peach. Yeah, okay. So, but I honestly think, and I mean, this is probably more of a, of a marketing principle than any, anything else. We need to remember, as uh, social media marketers, the same as any marketer that we're trying to meet an objective. So you got to pick the tools that'll help you meet your objective. So, I mean, I'm not the biggest Facebook fan personally. But Facebook, in terms of a marketing tool, is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. And it's understanding what you want to do. So if you're trying to drive awareness, Facebook is what you need to do. That's what you need to be. Um, so it's a couple of things. So you got to look at your objectives. And the other thing is you got to look where your audience is. If your audience is having conversations on Snapchat, um, you need to be on Snapchat. Um, if your audience is primarily on Facebook, then you need to be on Facebook. And, and spending a lot of time and effort and resources on Snapchat, if everybody you're trying to reach is on Facebook, it doesn't really make any sense. Understand that you got to continue to look at it. So, I find that like if you're a, uh, like a tech startup, definitely be where all the kids are, be where all the cool like the chatter is, and be where all the like novelty is. But if you're like a, a, a bigger brand, again, you always have to you have to be aware of what's coming up. You can't be ignorant to it because you need to jump on it when when it becomes something that you know where your audience is. But really look at it from a marketing perspective. Look at it for where your best your your, your where most of your ROI is going to be found. And really try to concentrate on that. Like, that's that's kind of the approach that we've taken. Again, we'll secure our, our usernames for the different types of platforms, but we're going to evaluate um, and then really try to leverage the ones that make more, most benefit or most sense to us in terms of like, hey, reaching our audience with the right message uh, or you know or yeah. the right content.
0: That's great advice. I don't know why I hadn't even why well, I hadn't thought of that before, but it's important to get on and kind of stake your claim, isn't yep, it? Yeah, absolutely. To, to- to get your domains and that sort of Absolutely, thing. Yeah, yeah
1: cuz the alternative of going having to go back after the fact is such a pain. And I mean anybody's gone yeah. through it knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's not fun. So, yeah, so yeah making sure you stake your claim right away. And yeah. then yeah, if you have to be dormant for a while, be dormant, but and understand that like the other thing I would I would say is just as advice to anybody who is looking at new platforms, make sure you're going with a strategy. Like especially the, you know, especially if it's if you're using it as, as a tool, as a marketing tool, make sure you have a strategy. I mean, it's 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 funny how many times that people go like, yeah, we're going to do like all these platforms and we're going to be on everything. And then when it comes down to developing content, like, uh-oh. Because you know what? It's not enough to do like one snap every month. No, you, like yeah. snap, people who are on Snapchat are on Snapchat. And like, I mean, if you don't have con- content regularly, and I mean, even throughout the course of a day, you're not going to resonate with them. So mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do and that's where your audience is, Incredible, awesome, enjoy, but you need to be prepared, and the only way you're going to do that is with a strategy.
0: Okay, back to the quick questions. I'm glad you. I'm glad we brought that up because that was something I did want to ask you as I was thinking about this interview earlier today. So, do you have a favorite life or business hack that you can share? Some sort of shortcut loophole that makes your life easier? All right, I'll give you one. Uh, okay,
1: and it's like it's actually kind of alluding to uh, to like even my like for for Twitter or for LinkedIn. What I'll do sometimes is like, I mean, sometimes it's difficult, just, you know, we all have busy days and stuff like that, but you want to be active on social channels, and you don't always have the time. Um, I would I would suggest like an act that I've used is IF, um, and it used to be IF that If If this, then that, or IFTT, I can't even remember it, but it's now called IF, and it's available yeah. on Android and on, on iPhone as well, um, and it gives you little shortcuts where you can actually publish content so you can do a search, for instance, and and some of you, I'm actually giving away one of my secrets for, uh, for, for for LinkedIn and and to a degree for for Twitter. You can actually look at content, like for instance, whenever the New York Post publishes uh, an article on on social media, it'll automatically just post it to uh, as a LinkedIn update for me. So, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to always go in. And I mean, you still should look at it because it's like yeah. <laughs> automatic posting. <laughs> could, could, could get a you bit, in trouble, especially if exactly.
0: you, you wouldn't do that for talus no no, pre- no, 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 exactly.
1: Oh, no. I would do that personally. Never do it as an organization. <laughs> automatic <laughs> updates are, are scary. That's, that's all yeah. I gotta say. Um, and I do get an alert when I post something so I can look at it and see if I have to delete it or not. But it gives you an easy way to curate content and really have to not go through like the whole, oh, I mean, like search for all these things. I mean, it, unfortunately. Um, and I think you, you had mentioned it before. Social media is is a lot of fun, but it's a, it's very time consuming, and for people looking to get into it, it's not always. It's well, it's definitely not a traditional nine to five job. And I mean, you, you know, it's fine if, you, if you're like it, and if it's something you enjoy. Like I'm passionate about it, so I have no problem with it. But yeah, sometimes creating content for myself or curating content for myself becomes a little bit harder. So that's a cool hack. Like if and it's and honestly, that app, just in terms of life hacks in general, it's phenomenal if you have a connected home so if like if you're all into like internet of things and you have connected homes you can do everything with this app like I mean it could turn off your lights when you leave at a certain time when you're in your house it'll set up your wi-fi it is phenomenal so I, I would highly recommend it
0: cool yeah I've been hearing more and more about it I have to I have to check it out myself it's like it's a peak
1: <laughs> heaven that's what it is and I
0: love it so <laughs> <laughs> and last question did you have a cause that's near and dear to your heart Oh yeah. it's this. Uh, so it's it's very difficult to pick just one. Yeah, One
1: of the beauty, uh, one of the, I think my favorite things, uh, and, and I mean, it's going to sound pretty cliche, but one of my favorite things about working with Telus is actually all the stuff that we do in the community. It, mm-hmm. They're very big. Like we are a very, very community focused organization. So you get a chance to work with a lot of different charities and charitable organizations. And I mean, like I've had the opportunity to work with a bunch. The one that I, I actually enjoy from a personal perspective, working with the most is and it's just because it's just kind of things that resonate with me are um, it's uh, WWF Canada, so World Wildlife Fund,
0: mm-hmm. it's, and
1: it's again, it's like you know when I went to the interview process with TELUS, I, I was all about the critters. Uh,
0: <laughs> it's the <lot> critters, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. and the amount of stuff that that that, that organization does to kind of per, um, to maintain and, and preserve our, our wildlife, um, you know, in Canada is is just it's absolutely amazing. They're amazing people to work with. Um, their causes are incredible. And I mean, like, honestly, whenever you can save a forest or, you know, any number of, you know, critters, uh, it, it's just amazing. It's a cause that it's near to, and dear to me. So that's the one that kind of sticks out. It's very hard to just pick one. Cause I mean, honestly, we, the, the stuff that got to work with like Movember and a phenomenal cause as well. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. one that's kind of personal to me. Cause I mean, I've lost a grandfather from prostate cancer. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so there's all, there's uh, like, there's a tons of different organizations. I, you know what? it's i would say i just i, I love wwf canada <laughs> i really like yeah. it, so i'd probably be the one that i select
2: yeah. but
1: seriously like i think if you're doing any anything with any charitable organization and you're volunteering and giving back in some way shape or form i think it's it's always a good thing
0: that's great it sounds like it's a real import, important part of your job and something that you're very passionate about that's great 100% yeah good all right so how do people reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you
1: uh, sure well they can they can actually they can send me a message on Twitter so it's at Gmaderos T- they can connect with me on LinkedIn they can connect with me on Facebook uh, again it's I've kind of really embraced the whole social media <laughs> the whole social media culture so I'm open like I basically I'm open to any kind of connection or they can yeah. even send me an email gabe.mederos at tells.com
0: and thanks so much for taking the time to join us tonight and to be one of our first, uh, interviewees on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I really appreciate it. That's excellent.
1: Thank you so much. It was, it was genuinely my pleasure. You
0: You've been listening to the Jelly Marketing Podcast. For more podcasts, check us out on jellymarketing.com or look us up on iTunes.